It's so good to see you. You look so tan and sun-kissed. <laughs> yeah, it's summer here. Where are you, in Australia? Yeah, in Byron Bay, Australia. Is it morning or night? I was emailing you this morning and I was like, good morning, good <laughs> evening. I don't know what time you're in. It's 7.30 a.m. Oh, nice. So you're an early riser. I'm an early riser. I do much better. I was like, we're definitely doing this in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you said that because I feel like I also like to do these in the mornings, except my mornings don't start till like 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Where are you? Are you in Aspen? No, I'm in Connecticut. Oh, okay, cool. I'm in Connecticut at the home studio. Um, I just reorganized this place. It looks it look great. I love body. the paintings. Thanks. They're Walmart specials. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I literally went, I was redoing the room and I like went there for like random stuff and I saw them. I was like, those will do for now. We'll, we'll, and it for now has been actually a while and I'm like, it's a vibe. So we're just going to. Great. Go the Walmart special. <laughs> I know. How are you? Were you catching waves this morning or what? Are you, are you just shredding it up or? Um, yeah, I've been trying to surf a lot. It's so fun. Are you like an everyday surfer? Um, as many days as I can, but I mean, I can't go every day just because there's not always waves, but also just cause I don't know the wind and all the details that go into surfing. Like it's quite, um, yeah, that you just got to be on your timing. Yeah. I know there's like a lot. I was surfing. I'm not an experienced surfer really, but when I was learning how to surf, I was learning the surf lingo of like, uh, what's the, uh, wait, what's the time in between the waves? What's that called? I don't know. Is it isn't there like a reference point to measure waves of like how oh. much time you have in between them? Yeah, the period. Oh, yeah, the the period. Yeah. yeah. Surfer <laughs> lingo that I was getting in touch with. Obviously, I'm not that in touch with it. Honestly, it's the hardest sport ever. <clears throat> There's so much that goes into it. It's like in skiing, it's like it snowed. Let's go ski. Let's go. <laughs> well, and luckily, I'm like so lucky to have Mitch because he's like my personal surf coach. So yeah, I'm really lucky. And are you liking just doing all of that in the water as opposed to in the snow at this point of your life? Yeah, I just like honestly needed a change. Sweet. Yeah, like I just found that, I don't know, skiing in the rat race is like just go, go, go so much to the point where I just, I wasn't feeling that good. Yeah. And I, I was just like craving that sort of warm, humid, no shoe lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, I went recently. My parents live in Florida for um, six, like five months of the year. At this point, they're both retired and they've been doing that for a few years now. And recently I went to see them and it was my first time going to visit them at their like new spot, their Florida spot and everything. And I was down there and I was like, this makes sense. Like, yeah, this so is good. so nice and chill. And like, I can just go exercise outside whenever I want. And it's not like just exercise. It's just like a fun activity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very relaxed when you don't have to have like a million layers and just all the things. I mean, I'm, I, there's parts of it that I miss, but I also have always wanted to live by the beach. So I'm like, let's do it. Yeah, does it get brutally hot there? Because I know yeah, living like, in Mexico, that was like, it was a thing. It was like, frick, it was hard. <laughs> yeah, like today is supposed to be like one of the hottest days. 
um, 30 degrees. So it's like around a hundred. Whoa. Yeah, it's and that's like off. pretty normal or like. It's on and off and then it'll get really windy and it'll cool off. And that's what's nice about being by the beach because you always get a little bit of a sea breeze. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it can get so hot and I'm like, oh my God, I just struggle with that a bit. But um, when it's that hot is like, is that good for surfing? Because it just feels so good to be in the water or is it yeah. like even hot for surfing? <laughs> no. And then you just wear a bikini and it's sweet. Nice. Is the water there cold? Is it like cold water surfing or is it? I mean, chill? we're in bikinis right now. Really? Board shorts and bikinis. And there's like there's like sharks and stuff out in Australia, right? <laughs> there is, but there's also we've had dolphins like every. Every time we've gone surfing and they like are surfing in front of the people on the waves and it's just so cool. Hell yeah. Like literally the other day we went to we were checking this spot we were going to surf and we walk up to the beach and there's this like perfect right hand wave and there's dolphins on it and then this girl catches it with the dolphins and rides this wave for probably like a minute and i'm like <laughs> what it's <laughs> so cool that's insane i don't think i've ever actually seen dolphins let alone people surfing with dolphins yeah they're very playful and cute well, I'm I'm happy that you're there living your best life and that you're getting all the sun and enjoyment that you deserve. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so proud of you for starting this up. It's so exciting. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a fun journey. I'm like, I was just at a point where I think musically and stuff, I wasn't feeling inspired by like, I don't know, the culture that I was always trying to become a part of. And like, for me, it was never that natural. Um, I've always just been kind of like, I don't know, like I never felt that naturally in the whole like scene of everything. Um, so the last couple of years, I just like being back in Connecticut now and like I have a bunch of family around here and like regrounding with like all of that, I think has really brought myself back home in like a beautiful sense of like, wait, what is actually like the joy that I get out of music? And it's like connection is the joy I get out of music. And like, that's what I was feeling not really like an abundance of in what I was doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I just want to like talk to people about their journeys. And like, I feel like I've always just been someone who wants to like watch the behind the scenes documentary instead of the actual like event or the actual movie, you know? Totally. So yeah, yeah, it's been cool. And it's been really nice recently, just starting it up, reflecting on like my journey and all the cool humans. I know that to me has been such a blessing of just like, realizing how many fucking cool people I've met in this lifetime. And now I can like, reach out to them and reconnect with them in a cool, I don't know, creative way. Yeah. And you have the skills to like do both of those things where it's like the techie side and the connection side and the conversation piece. Yeah. And I think the music world and DJing is something that I'll always be connected to. And like, I love DJing and all of that, but for a sustainability sense of like waking up and looking forward to my day and stuff, I think it was really essential for me to incorporate something that was more just like good for my soul instead of good for like the path that I thought I needed to be on to become a famous DJ and make money and like do all the things, you know? Totally. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that when I was skiing and stuff. It's like, is this really my path? Or is it just like sort of this projected path that I feel like I should be doing? Yeah, for sure. And it's almost like really hard to question anything that the world is giving you such positive 
validation for. Um, but yeah, I want to jump into all of that. Um, but let's maybe start a bit back from the beginning. So where are you right now? You're in Australia. We, we touched on that and you've been living there for a minute now, right? Yeah. So I've basically been, I moved to Australia a year ago and, um, just needed a sort of a fresh perspective and a change of scenery. And we're living in Byron Bay. So close to the surf and in a place where lots of plants grow, which I love. So, um, yeah, we're here for a year and I'm, I'm planning to stay for, you know, indefinitely until I don't like it or I need something different. Yeah. So that in your mind, is that like home home now? Like when you talk about home, is that the place that comes up? Honestly, no. I mean, Colorado will always be home just because I just relate so deeply with that land and the people and growing up in Colorado, you know, that's my home. But this is the place I'll be and maybe that will come with time. But um, I'm actually going home next week. So it's a, a funny subject because I'm like, where is home? But I think it's slowly shifting to here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. But and so you also, though, you have australian roots right yeah so my mom's australian yeah my mom's australian so we used to come here pretty much every year and spend time at the beach and so we have like this my sister and i have a deep connection with the ocean and you know just the beach uh environment rather than just the mountains so i do feel like there is you know an element of myself that is beachy beachy vibes <laughs> And what brought your mom from Australia to Aspen? She, well, my, my aunt was living in Aspen and she came to visit her and then she just fell in love with it. And my family, all, they all love to ski. And so they just kind of like the classic story of came to visit Aspen and never really left because they fell in love with it. Okay. And that's where you, so you were born in Aspen, right? Or in Australia? Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Aspen, uh, Aspen Valley Hospital. Nice. And now, and so growing up in Aspen, obviously that's a unique childhood experience, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel so lucky to have grown up in Aspen. I mean, I had a chairlift from my high school, which was like sort of the door that opened a lot of my awareness to how amazing nature is because that school really instills the importance of getting outside and doing outdoor activities and staying active and you know, we had like super cool um, astronomy classes and it was just very connected to nature. And I'm just forever grateful for that because, I mean, what else could a kid ask for, really? Yeah. So it's that came natural then as a kid, like you being in a school where that was connected to nature. Um, was that kind of your beginning path of this whole kind of relationship you have with health and nutrition, all the things, obviously you were a very young age, so maybe not in a career sense, but did you feel an emotional connection to health and nature and all and the environment and all that from a very young age? Yeah. So my, my mom is a, an amazing gardener. So we grew up around plants and we had a huge veggie garden and she has a landscaping business. So plants were always a part of our upbringing. And, you know, we'd be watering the greenhouse, you know, we'd always just be part of the flower world. And so I think a, a mixture of that in combination of, you know, 
mom and dad taking me skiing, it was like just, yeah, natural sort of evolution of being, having it just so in my face and recognizing how magical it was that I couldn't have really imagined a life without it. And so your, your mom obviously was a big skier as well. Yeah. Both my parents, big skiers. Um, and pretty much always like I was in one of my mom's ski school programs as a kid. And then my dad was always really enthusiastic for me to continue my passion for skiing. And they both encouraged me to, um, keep, keep it up and basically compete and, you know, take that path that rather than going to college, I basically, I, I followed my passion for skiing and ski competitively, competitively for about, I think it was maybe 10 years, seven to 10 years. And, um, yeah, they were just like, of course, the roots of that supporting me the whole way. And, and yeah. So, I mean, I guess you'd kind of do get what your parents encourage you to do in a way. Yeah. And what did some of that professional skiing career look like? I I feel like I've lived with you even like we've been roommates and I feel like I've never actually really talked to you much about your whole like life before I met you, which was, you know, like big mountain heli skiing and like crazy shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's got it all like, and I like how before when we were talking about how music feels for you, like the most important piece of it is the community element. And with skiing, yes, the actual fact of skiing down mountains with really good snow is, is amazing sensation and experience, but it's also so important to have that community element, like all the people I met all throughout all my travels around the world, right? I went to Japan and Canada and Chile and Argentina and Turkey, and I went to all these places. And it's just cool when you get people together who are passionate about the same thing, the the community that it creates. And it's just this, it's such a, I don't even know the word for it. It's so, it has so much meaning and, um, it's like I almost want to get emotional about it because I I kind of miss that community of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was lots of traveling, lots of skiing, lots of parties, lots of action all around the world. Yeah. And I love hearing you talk about the community aspect, especially in a competitive space. It's like mm. we live in a world where we could all be like a big happy community, like and we're not even competing against each other, but like in a world where you're talking about where it's actually competition happening is where you felt the most amount of connection and community. Yeah. And I think it's partially because the level of, of sport or whatever you want to say, like it's pretty dangerous. And so we all have each other's back and we're not there to, you know, yes, of course you're there to win like any competition, but at the same time you're there, you know, to ski the mountain and to be with the people. And at the Uh end of the day, we all have each other's back. Yeah. Where's like some of the craziest places you've been? I mean, I'd say the craziest place I went ever was probably Turkey just because it was so otherworldly to me. And it was just like a very interesting experience. Um, And then sort of the craziest sort of, landscape would be Alaska just because it is so steep and so different than any other mountain that you would experience. Um, probably the coolest trip I ever went on was I climbed Denali. So the biggest peak in North America, which 
just to be on that mountain, it has so much energy and it has so much, um, it's just powerful to stand there and be in that presence. And the storms that would come through were so strong and powerful that that was pretty crazy. <laughs> How long does it take to climb Denali? <laughs> so we were there, we, it took us a month. Um, but we did get like, have, I mean, it's all about weather, right? You're always waiting for a weather window. Um, like when we finished summiting, we basically had to wait on the runway, the runway, which is basically just a glacier for a week. Like you couldn't leave the tent. You just had to sit there for a week. So it's all about, you know, yeah, it took a month, but it, it's all about weather. And so on those like waiting days, what are you doing? Are you just like playing cards? It's, it's gotta be like pretty simple living, right? Like. Honestly, it's real simple. Like if it's sort of <laughs> nice out, um, if we were at base camp, you could get out and you could kind of play Frisbee and you could go for a little skin up um, just above the tents. Or if it was really gnarly, you're sitting inside, you know, a tent, like playing cards. And one of the more experienced climbers, they had some like, I mean, they had like weed lollipops and Vicodin and... <laughs> So it was, it was an experience for sure. And they had, like, wow, yeah, they had the here. off day essentials. <laughs> they yeah. the off. They're like, if we I are here, we might as well like make it a good time. Yeah. So, I mean, and then of course, like lots of good conversation and, and reflection and just, um, I don't know. I, it's funny thinking back on it. I'm like, what did we do? I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, you probably just, I think about like any hard day I even like snowboard. After a day of hard snowboarding, I feel like you literally just like don't do anything and you're okay with that. Yeah. It's like one of those times where you can just like literally do nothing, maybe even just yeah. lie there without sleeping. And it's like, it feels like doing something because your body's just resting. So I can imagine that maybe why those memories aren't so um, apparent is because your bodies were we just were resting. like resting from, yeah. from summiting the biggest mountain in the entire world. Not in the world, but it was big. What's the biggest mountain in the world? Is it K K2 or K K7, Everest. K9? Everest. <laughs> Everest. <laughs> Everest is the biggest. I feel like I should have feel like I should have known that one. That's like an obvious one. I almost thought it was like too obvious. Yeah, well, that's all right. You can't know everything. How long? And it it takes people what like six months to make it up El El Elvis to make it up Everest. Honestly, I don't know. I kind of did that trip, and I was like, we skied down this pretty gnarly um, ice face. Um, which actually, it's funny because we had been skiing the same line like before we summited, and it was it was super fun, and there was lots of good snow on it. But that's the thing with these bigger peaks is it can change overnight or within you know an hour or two and on our way down we were skiing down and we all of a sudden were in the middle of this huge ice face and so it was like we had our ice axes out and holding onto the ice wall and like sliding gripping into the wall and like you couldn't grip onto anything because it was so icy and there's this big crevasse below and it's like holy shit um I need to be really careful. <laughs> and so you'd slide down and then kind of traverse forward and slide down and traverse forward. And it was pretty intense. And after that, I was kind of like, wow, I don't know if I want to die yet. Wow. Profound. So I don't even know how I got there, but basically, yeah, I kind of just. No, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I think anything in life that makes us think 
you know, I'm not ready to die yet. <laughs> I think that adds a little bit of value into how we're here now, you know? Yeah. And I think honestly, that was a big part of me switching over to this sort of healing and health path that I'm on now is I had a lot of friends pass away from avalanches and accidents and it was just starting to wear on me. And I just, I didn't want to be part of that anymore. And I mean, it's still happening. Like there's people I know that pass away and it's just like, Oh, and I almost was starting to become numb to it because it was so normalized. And I didn't see it, uh, benefiting my health anymore. Just like having friends die was, it was not very comfortable. Yeah. And even I think it's tough because there's a lot of people who look at it as like, oh, that at least they're like, you know, dying while doing what they love and like chasing their passions. And like, so it's like, what a tough kind of balance to find emotionally between like viewing it as a spiritual experience for so many people in their human life. And they feel the need to push these envelopes and go crazy. But with that whole risk factor of like, oh, death is like a very actual possibility in a lot of these scenarios yeah and I actually I love the way yeah and I love the way you phrase it where it's like for some people it is worth every moment and it is worth dying over a hundred percent but I think I had this deeper yearning to do what I actually wanted to do which is learn about plants and nutrition and health and all this because I I saw the potential of the human body through my own sort of healing journey but I'm like and I, I just love how you said, like, yes, for some people it is, that's what they'll do. And if they die doing it, that's that's just their path. But for me, I was like, I just mm -hmm. feel like there's something else pulling me in another direction. And that's so cool that you felt that pull and that you actually, like, took the leap into jumping out of a world that was so familiar to you to, to chase something that's a little bit maybe deeper within you. Um, and... Just yesterday, I was having a conversation with a friend on a hike about how there's, I feel like there's this like either a push or pull aspect that's always happening in life. And it's like either we're pushing our way into a situation and trying to make things happen, or either just pushing our way along because it's something that we're familiar with, when really it's like, we can be being pulled by a vision. And if you mm, think about yeah, like... I think about like wakeboarding and it's like in order to get up on a wakeboard, like you just literally have to let go completely, not fight anything and let the boat pull you up like until you get going. And I like to think about like visions that way where it's like if we can just get into a position where to completely let go and then just allow the universe to pull us up in whatever direction it is that she spirit or God or whatever word resonates with you wants us to head in it's like, it's just a different way of approaching, I think, life, you know? Totally. And honestly, I felt like I, I was at a point in my ski career where it felt like it was starting to be forced. And I remember being in Alaska, and it was probably one of the best trips I've ever had in my life. Like, heli skiing in Alaska with some of my best friends, you know, filming and shooting photos, like it was unreal. And we had great snow. But we did have a lot of down days. And on the down days, I remember talking to one of my friends, Sam Cohen, and saying like, man, I just have this strong desire to study herbalism. Like, I think I just have to do it. 
and he's I feel like he was kind of like what like we're like in Alaska and it's so sick like going back to school that seems crazy and I'm like but it's just something that I can't stop thinking about yeah and it's like you could have kept pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down but like eventually you're gonna have to make a move <laughs> on it at some point I was just gonna say like it's and it's not like I, I don't want to do the activities I love like that still drives sort of my enthusiasm around everything I do like I love to ski and I love to surf and I love to mountain bike and garden and like those things are literally what keep me happy and myself they keep me as who I am but it was just like a switch of direction to not have it be like a focus and um have like that external pressure from sponsors and the world like what are you doing now what are you doing now oh my gosh where's the content and of course a lot of that's in your head but it's also you do have that pressure the external um pressure weighing on you and I think I was just like you know what this is not working for me anymore yeah and I think that external that external kind of pressure to grow is such a funny one because I think we all look at this like this growth thing as like a certain kind of like transparent line in a certain direction where it's like oh like is this job working for you like have you grown in your career and stuff and it's like yes that's one sense of growth but like we can be growing as humans in so many ways along the journey and sometimes like quitting your job is actually growing and it's mm -hmm. like i think just that whole looking at growth as a very direct kind of line where it's like, it's actually an all encompassing thing. Like you can grow to the right, you can grow to the left, you can grow up, you can grow down. Like, it's not just this higher trajectory of like, let's keep heading towards the top of whatever we're in. Because that totally. growth can sometimes be all like encompassing where it's like when you hit rock bottom, you don't have to go like all the way back, like it actually can circle around. And you like, you realize you're way closer to some of the truths that you were looking for. And it's like, Oh, Oh, shit. Okay. Like, everything's kind of leading towards that. <laughs> yeah. And I always tell like the clients I'm working with, cause a lot of them are at a part in their healing journey where they're kind of breaking down. They're like, I need help. I don't know what to do. And it's like any breakdown is actually an opportunity for a breakthrough because you're going to have to sort of look at the truth of what's going on for you. And, and it's going to probably be energetic physical, environmental, you know, emotional, all encompassing. Like you said, there's, you know, there's seven directions. It's not just one linear path. And especially people are like, oh, you healed the gut. What does that look like? It's like, if you only saw like, it's actually very complex and it's not just about the food you eat, right? It's about the environment you put yourself in internally and externally. It's about, you know, what shampoo you use. It's about, Yes, of course, the diet you eat, you know, it's about your emotional connection with people like it's so dynamic where we we're such we can be so linear. So I totally relate with you on the nonlinear growth aspect, because I don't think growth is linear. And it is, it can be quite uncomfortable, but also very interesting <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. And I think the more uncomfortable it is, it's probably the more growing that's actually happening. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's why people struggle to make change or I do, I definitely see it in my practice because we have, we're creatures of comfort, right? So we just continually do the same things because we know what's best. And so, you know, of course it's going to be hard to change, let's say your morning routine 
of, let's say it's, I don't know, no food and only coffee because that's what you're used to. But if you start to like be okay with a little bit of discomfort, things can start to unravel. Yeah. I think that's often a, a good way to, I think, respond to like, I don't know, just life in general is just like, it's not about being comfortable all the time. It's about being okay with not being comfortable. Yeah. And then taking that and you learning from it and then it creates a depth. And I think that's what I was searching for at the end of my ski career. Like I just wanted a depth that wasn't external, right? It was like, it was going to come from me diving deeper into my own, you know, whatever it was, whether it was health issues or just like, who am I? <laughs> yeah. If I'm not a skier, who am I? Or what am I doing on this planet if I'm not going to be a skier? And I think that's kind of where I was like, and I'm not saying this for all skiers, but for me personally, it started to just feel a bit selfish and kind of like, where's this going? Like, yeah. like I, I didn't see, I literally, that noise is how it felt. I was like, eh, I don't, I don't know what's next. Yeah. And when that initial feeling comes up of like, I don't know where it's going. Um, some people will have a tendency to react in a do more type of thing. It's like, oh, I, I must need to just keep like doing and doing and doing. And it's this whole doing thing where it's like sometimes just letting go of the reins and doing less and sitting back and feeling and like adding some space into the equation can actually lead to a bit more of those deeper questions. And it's so cool to hear you reflect on just your journey throughout that, because that's something I've been going through myself over the past few years. Um, that's been a more recent journey in life for me is reevaluating like, wait, who am I as not a, just a DJ? Like, who am I when I'm not on stage mm -hmm. or when I'm not traveling or like trying to gain more of a following? And it's like, the more space that I've allowed in my life for life to reveal itself, the more it has happened. Because I was always on this path of like trying to do things in the way that I thought I needed to do them based on like the formula mm. that was like handed to me. Yeah. Um, and that's where it's like, yeah, so it's really cool just to hear you reflect on all of it because I hear so much connection in my own story to what you were going through in a skier realm and everything. Um, especially in something that is so fun and passionate where I think when I'm, you know, like you're skiing. So it's like, most people would be like, well, how do you question doing that? Like, that's the coolest shit ever. And it's like DJing people are like, well, that's like the coolest job ever. Like, why would you ever question that? And not that even people say that maybe that's just like a, our own beliefs is like built up within me. There's almost this, like, I should be happy because I'm choosing to do something that's fun and cool in life. Yet something isn't adding up. <laughs> totally. And those are the little things like that we got to listen to. They're so powerful. Yeah. So was it, I'm sure throughout your ski career, your body went through a lot of physical pain, probably all sorts of experiences that forcefully made you more aware about your body and health and all of these things, whether you wanted to or not. Um, and is that kind of when you were like, you know what, this is the right that for me, like, is that where it kind of within you when you started applying some of these more health related topics into your own life? Um, when you were like, I want to share this with others, and I want to kind of focus on this world. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I think to take a step back, like what the, so the traveling for me, like I absolutely love it. I love meeting new people around the world. I love seeing different cultures and, and just learning about humans and the way we live with each other and all the different things that go into going to foreign places like the food and just, it's so amazing to witness and be part of it and learn the language and everything. But the downside to that was I just couldn't, I just felt really unhealthy. Like I just felt kind of puffy and inflamed and just all the travel you can't feed yourself. You can't nourish yourself in the way that you'd like to, right? I mean, you can do your best, but it's not easy. I mean, and you're a Mm -hmm. guest constantly in people's homes and it's just, that part was wearing me down. I mean, I would travel with two huge bags. Like I'd have a huge ski bag and another bag full of, you know, ski gear is not light. So it was just, this whole process was, it was holding me down. Like I just felt really, um, heavy. And so Mm -hmm. through that, I would, you know, come home and I would, I would seek help from, you know, um, do massage and chiropractor and, one of the biggest things as as far as how I got rolling on this whole health path was having some really amazing mentors who was one of them was a body worker. Um, she just, anytime I would go to her house, she'd have, you know, bone broth on the stove and she, she'd be offering me like slow cooked meats. And she just was like, here's nourishment, right? Like here is um, what you need. She'd run me a bath. She like just could see that I was like so depleted, so burnt out and needed some nurturing. And I think mm-hmm. whenever I would go to her, I would just be like, wow, there's something that when I step into her house and, you know, she offers me fresh, colorful fruits and veggies and all this stuff, I just resonated with it so deeply. I was just like, man, there's something about the way that she's holding herself that it drew me in. And that was, I, I mean, I worked with her for, I don't even know, since I was probably 17. And so I think a big part of me sort of switching from having my focus be a professional skier to more of like a um, health focus was these mentor type people in my life and just seeing that the groundedness and the, the healthy, I don't know what you want to call it. Being healthy and grounded was available. <laughs> and I had a I had mm-hmm. a witness to see. I, I was a witness to seeing that in reality. And then I was basically, so I, I went to massage school and I, I wanted to learn more about the body because when I got body work, I was just fascinated at what transformation I, I could experience. Like I'd go in and I'd feel horrible and I'd come out and I'd feel renewed. So I went on to study body work and um then further, I studied herbalism, but what wasn't really moving the needle for me was, was, well, this stuff wasn't moving the needle for my digestive stuff. Like I just couldn't seem to resolve. My gut was very uncomfortable. And, and so I went to this, um, this school, the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism in Boulder, and they brought in a huge element of nutrition. And I was just like, started using these tools and these practices that they were teaching us and things finally started to shift. And so I was like, Oh my God, you know, I was realizing that herbs and, and body work wasn't moving the needle for me. And when you brought the nutrition piece in, it was like, Holy shit. It's like, this is what works. 
at least for really seeing a difference. Mm -hmm. And I love just seeing your passion light up when you talk about it. Because even living with you for like a year or whatever, I've always been into nutrition, but like a whole nother level of appreciation and just like awareness around it all and just the lifestyle that you live with the intentionality behind the foods that you are not just eating, but that you have relationships with. Um, that was huge. So it doesn't surprise me to hear you speak about it in just such an excited sense when it came in. <laughs> Well, and the, the whole thing really is, and when I, when I reflect back on it, it's like, I, I believe that as a modern society, we we're straying and detaching from nature and it's, it's making us sick. And when we disconnect ourselves from the natural world, we as humans become imbalanced. And also this is massively disruptive for the planet. Right. And I love how nutritional therapy has awoken myself and the individuals that I work with to sort of like realize the importance of this connection of human to nature. Like we are one, we're all part of the same planet together. And mm -hmm. there's this massive, massive sort of ripple effect that when we take care of ourselves, we then in turn take care of those around us and, you know, the earth beneath our feet. And it's mm -hmm. so, it just, it's, and it's starting to just be so important to me to share how powerful our human body is, especially when we basically just remove all the garbage, all the chemicals, all the toxins, mm -hmm. all the shitty food. And I mean, that goes to a deeper level of like the emotional body and all of it. When we kind of like remove those stressors, the human body, we know exactly what to do. Like it just starts to come back into homeostasis. And that's where I'm just like, wow, it's so powerful. And I believe that if we can kind of start to do this work of removing all the toxins, whether it be, you know, like we just said, from the environment or internal, we can then, you know, interact with the world in just like a more gentle and compassionate and fascinated sort of view, fascinating view. And this, I just think, like, imagine if all of us started to see clearly of what we actually want to do it's like the potential for the planet is so much more blossoming and thriving rather than destructive and degrading so yeah anyways yeah no and i think it's all i love it. it it is in my eyes too it's all connected it's like if the oceans are on fire like then humanity is also on fire like it's a reflection of each other like if there's destruction happening in the environment that we live in like there's destruction happening within the source of it all, you know? And that's where I think a, a saying that I really like is like back speaking of like indigenous tribes and different cultures. It's like, they didn't walk with nature. They walked as nature. Like there mm. was no separateness between them and nature. Like we are a tree of some sorts. Like, you know, we think of ourselves as so separate from this planet but like we are the all encompassing existence of what this is, what this life form is that we, that's big blue ball floating in space. Like we all make up that and it's all connected in such a cool way. Um, and I think intrinsically we do have a good within all of us. And like you said, it's just kind of clearing the debris to get back to the state of homeostasis. And 
Mm. Hearing you say that, it's really cool because part of my journey, I think, has been realizing that like I used to, as a kid, I used to think about happiness like totally equated with fun. And like the more fun I had, the more happy I was. Like that's <laughs> totally something that I thought went hand in hand. And Which as I love, I've gotten more, yeah, as I've gotten maybe a little more wise and mature, other people might call it just growing up. I'm now more in touch with like, ooh, peace and happiness go way more together for me. And that's just for me. Mm. Like, and I'm not someone I, I like to think of myself as an adventurous person, but I'm not an intrinsic thrill seeker living on the edge of the earth type of person. But I think that to me, hearing you talk about it, I just thought about my body in that sense. And it's like, wow, cool. Like that's even the same thing for my body, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's the biggest concept that I think if anyone can take away from what sort of health is, is basically we have two states of our nervous system, right? We have sympathetic and parasympathetic. One is rest and digest, and one is uh, fight or flight, which most of us have probably heard about. And healing takes place in this rest and digest parasympathetic state. And go, go, go mode action modern day society is this sort of stress state, sympathetic dominance type picture where literally it's, it's body breakdown. And our body is is has adapted to buffer those effects in the short term. But if we have this stress response turned on 24 seven, like our body is going to, you know, reroute blood to the external, like the muscles to run away from the threat, the perceived threat where we need that blood flow to be going to our digestive system, our reproductive system. And so if we're in this constant fight or flight, go, go, go mode, digestion is going to be turned off. Healing is going to be turned off. You know, reproduction is going to be turned off. And For me, this was actually such a light bulb moment when, so basically on my own healing journey, I went to a bunch of different doctors and get any answers. I got ultrasounds in my gut. I had um, irregular cycles and just like really sharp pains. And I was like, what is going on? And so I finally was like, okay, I'm going to a naturopath. And she ran some testing on me. And basically it's this amazing test called the Dutch test. And it shows you your stress hormones and your cortisol output. And mine was like fully flatlined. I was basically, as we've heard it in modern day, like adrenal fatigue. It's not like your adrenals are actually tired, but for lack of a better word, we'll call it that. Um, And I, I just, I was so depleted that it was like, oh my God, that's why my digestive system's a mess. That's why I have irregular menstrual cycles. That's why I have no energy. It was just like, I haven't been prioritizing rest and rejuvenation for like a very long time. <laughs> and then you add yeah. in, you know, potential <laughs> internal dialogue on top of that, where, you know, if there's alcohol in the home as a child, you're going to have a low grade stress response kind of like lingering. And that's the work I've been diving to into recently where it's like, wow, the stress response can be, it's very multifaceted. And so mm-hmm. when I saw the results, I was just like, okay, wow. <laughs> no wonder. I literally haven't been prioritizing <laughs> rest and rejuven- rejuvenation and modern day doesn't really cater towards that. So from that point on, I was literally like, I need to study this and I need to be able to use these tests in my practice to show people what's going on because it's so powerful to see the data sometimes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love thinking about just the word, like I love thinking about stress in terms of health because disease, it's like just dis-ease. Like it's your body not being at ease. Like I think a lot of a lot yeah. of how society puts out this thing called disease, there it's like it, there's a name for this disease, there's a name for this disease. Like it's all labeled so intensely and it's all like got its own categories and its own ways to fix it and blah, blah, blah. But like at the end of the day, dis-ease is literally your body not being an in ease. And mm, that's and like, that's so I true. think, has everything to do with the little things like exercising, eating right, surrounding ourselves with good people, watching the right things, like breathing the right air, like all of the little, little things I think make the biggest difference in our worlds of health in whatever they may look like for different individuals. Um, but one thing that I've found very consistent, especially in modern day health talk and everything is all this talk around gut health and gut microbiomes and all of this stuff. Um, so for anyone listening and myself included to like start maybe a path of caring more about our gut, um, what's like a good kind of starting place to maybe even assess? Do we have like, how do we even know if our gut is healthy or not? Um, and then maybe what are some of the first steps we can take to implementing a more healthy, balanced gut into our life? Yeah. So, I mean, the best um, sort of read on if your gut's healthy is look at your poop, basically. Like, if you're not pooping every day, you should be. And that is 100% the first place to start because if you're not eliminating your waste and taking out the trash, it's going to build up and accumulate in your body. And that makes you feel horrible. Well, and what should it look like? What are we looking for? <laughs> well, basically, you don't want it to be too soft. You don't want it to be diarrhea and you don't want to be blung, bunged up in like rabbit pellets. You want it to be just like a, a good consistency of basically in the middle, right? Not too hard, not too soft. And okay. it should be a full bowel movement, right? It should be like, you shouldn't be like, oh, God, I go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom again. I got to go to the bathroom again. Like the urgency that you should just go to the bathroom and be like, oh, okay. And if you go two times, three times, that's all right. But it's like, if you're going more than, you know, three times a day or you're not going every day, there's something going on. And when we real back to basics, basics, what exactly is the gut? Is it our intestinal system? Like what is that what the gut refers to both the large and small intestine? Um, so basically the gut is a big long tube, right? From mouth to anus. So Whenever we're talking about the gut, that we're talking about the whole system. And I actually like to take it a step further. And it's actually the brain is, is in constant communication with our gut. So it's brain and then mouth to anus, right? Because our brain, like we just were talking about, is um, it's the key that unlocks digestion. And so one of the first steps, for example, that you can do when you want to optimize your digestion is to actually sit down and breathe while you're eating. because if we're in that go, go, go mode, we're not going to be producing stomach acid and we're not going to be producing saliva and digestive enzymes because our body is focused on running from the threat at, at hand, right? It's not like, okay, digestion, let's do this thing. You know, our body's much like we are in the sense that we can't 
multitask very well. Even though people think they can, we, we're not very good multitaskers. Um, and same thing with the gut. Like it needs, it needs the environment of breathing, chewing, putting fork down between meals. Um, so yes, the, the gut is the, from the mouth to the anus and the guts also 70% of our immune system lives in our gut. So, um, I just think that's always interesting because 70% is massive. Yeah. So, this is all mind blowing to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the gut, I mean, it's fascinating and we're learning so much about it every day that, I mean, they're, they're going to potentially, you know, or some people already do call the microbiome, which the gut microbiome, there's microbiomes all over the body, but the gut microbiome in specifically, which mostly lives in your large intestine, they're, some people are calling it, it its own organ system. Wow. And it's so crazy just to hear how physically big the gut is that we're talking about in terms of like where in the body it lies. Because when I heard the word gut, I literally thought of like a place in my stomach. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just me, but like I, I just for some reason I thought of it as like it's, I don't know, like in my stomach somewhere type of thing. And it's, I don't know exactly what it is. So it's crazy to me hearing that it's actually. It's a whole system. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, that's why I'm like, I can't believe we don't learn this stuff in high school. It's just like, what the hell? There's a lot of things that I'm surprised we don't learn about in high yeah. school. Yeah. <laughs> There was an endless list of that. The more life I live, the more I find out. I wish I learned this yeah. in high school. <laughs> I was just going to say one sort of just last thing about when you say, like, what is the gut? You know, what, what is this referring to? And we can kind of, we can use the gut and the digestive system interchangeably. Um, but it's basically, you know, a complex system that happens between the brain and ends up with what happens in the like in your toilet right brain, brain to elimination and the crazy thing is every cell in our entire body relies on this system right that's how we take in nutrients and fuel right so if we don't have these nutrients and fuel we're not going to have structure like physical structure and function for the body and um and so if we're not, it's not all about just like what you eat. It's also the biggest part of it is what are we actually absorbing? Because if we're not absorbing the nutrients and breaking down the, the whatever our food is on our plate properly, we're going to have sort of malfunction. So it's, it's just, How it's good to know that nutrients better. Well, first step is a hundred percent slow down and work on the nervous system piece. Like that is. Forever a practice that if you're working on your gut health that we got to just, it's like a daily practice. It's not something you just like do and check the box. It's like, you know, work on our stress because stress is going to be thrown at us our entire lives. So the more we can work on our stress um, through things like breathing while we eat or just meditation or walking or reading, whatever for you helps you calm down. And that's going to be different for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, just focus, like one thing we can do to absorb our food better is to actually just not drink a bunch of water with our meals, which is so funny. You sit at a restaurant, they pour you a glass of icy water. That's like putting a halt on your digestion. It's like the worst thing ever because it's going to dilute your digestive enzymes and your stomach acid. And we need stomach acid to 
kill off pathogens on food, to break down our protein, to cleave off nutrients from food. Like, so that's a, that's a one easy step and I'll just leave it at that for, cause I could go forever. <laughs> yeah, no, this is so interesting to hear about. So the next time the waiter comes over to your table with water, you say, no, sir, not today, <laughs> not today. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if someone feels like they need a little bit of water, like, you know, that's fine. But it's like, you know, the, this, if they're handing you a huge glass of water, it's like that mixes, that just dilutes your stomach acid. And and what about after want, we eat? Yeah, like 30 minutes after, that's great. Okay, so similar to the, you have to wait 30 minutes before going in the pool, you have to wait 30 minutes before putting the pool into you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically you just don't want to dilute the juices because we want them to be strong and potent to then do their magic of, you know, because there's chemical digestion, which is the actual... Um, you know, saliva, stomach acid, enzymes, and bile. That's actually like chemical reaction. And then we also have physical um, digestion. Sorry, not chemical digestion and physical digestion. So we want to be able to just chew our food. So if you're not chewing your food and you're swallowing it down, that makes more work for the body, right? So calm eating, chewing food, less water at meals. That's like where we can all start. What about shakes and smoothies and that stuff? especially the ones that maybe are water-based. Well, I mean, it kind of depends too. Like it, it totally depends. Um, actually, I've never thought about that to be honest. Um, but I would say like, if you have a lot of water with the smoothie, it's going to make you feel a bit sloshy. You know, that feeling of like, Whoa, I got like a lot of water in my stomach. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's a, that's a great point in the fact that I would say, with my smoothies, I just add like a little bit of milk or a little bit of water. Um, but yeah, it's something to consider for sure. Yeah, liquid intake. Liquid intake, best away from meal. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's something just like I, I never really heard that before. So I'm, I'm super grateful you thought to share that with all of us. That's a very easy yeah. step to take. Mm. Um. And then, so getting in more to just maybe some foods that are, are there any particular like freaking like super foods for the gut? Just like foods that can really help our gut out if we eat on the reg. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, colorful plant foods are amazing. The thing is like everyone is very different in the, in the sort of what they need with where their gut's at and everything. But as a whole, Fermented foods are very uh, beneficial for the gut. Um, colorful plant foods and a diversity of them because the diversity of plant foods feed the diversity of, of beneficial bacteria. And we've noticed that the healthiest individuals are the ones who have a very diverse microbiome. And how we get a diverse microbiome is through eating a diversity of colorful plant foods. Um, and then another really healing food is bone broth for sure, because it gets us in amino acids and it also has uh, properties to help heal that gut lining because we want to keep that gut lining really intact because when we have sort of that intestinal permeability or that leaky gut, we, which everyone's probably heard about, that's when systemic inflammation can arise. That's when, uh, the immune system can guide, kind of go haywire. So we want to do whatever we can to keep the gut intact and not 
break down that barrier system. And bone broth's a really nice way to do that. But I mean, there's the deeper, we always got to look deeper, right? And the first step to that is stress too. It's like, it always kind of comes back to stress and also (laughs) not eating, you know, inflammatory foods too, like just swapping and looking at your quality, right? So rather than eating processed foods, just eating foods in their whole form, like that's going to be a massive step in, in supporting your gut. Yeah. So again, it seems like just pretty basic health practice, like eat whole foods, eat real food. Don't eat like total junk processed food. Um, and yeah, things like bone broth and that stuff. What about for vegetarians? Is there anything like in the broth world is veggie broth? Does that like veggie broth do the same type of thing or is it the bone that's necessarily good for the gut? Yeah, it's the, it's the meat and the bone because the amino acids are what you're looking for. Um, with a vegetarian diet, it's, it's conversion is difficult. So like basically getting the proteins you need, like cleaving them off and, and breaking down the proteins into amino acids is difficult, um, to accomplish, especially if our guts are slightly, uh, under powered or under functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly believe that achieving optimal health is it's difficult on a long-term vegetarian diet, especially if, if you take it at this next step further in, in like a vegan, um, mm-hmm. which a vegan is consuming no animal products whatsoever. So often vegetarians will eat, you know, dairy and eggs. Mm-hmm. It just is, it's not impossible, but it takes a lot of thought and planning and proper education. And honestly, I think proper supplementations pretty key for vegan and vegetarians because it's it's hard to get um certain nutrients in the diet of with when removing animal products yeah and i'm so glad that we're touching upon this because i've been vegetarian for like three years now um and i'd say my gut health feels pretty healthy and based on what we talked about and everything like my poops are pretty good. I'm going to the bathroom once a day. It's, you know, like, I feel like my gut based on what you described is like pretty healthy. Um, but I'm wondering, I've, I've been through different stages where I felt depletion in my life. And I think that was also too, because I wasn't doing any of the other things like exercising or uh, kind of the other stress things. Um, so I think for me though, I'm always looking on ways to balance the choices that I make for whatever reasons they make, because there are going to be different reasons for everyone. Um, But I think that's one of the things that is so crucial that when people hear the word vegetarian or vegan, it's like, that doesn't mean healthy. Like there's such, it's actually like hard to eat very, very healthy as a vegetarian in order to get all the right nutrients and the right stuff in that sense. So are there any say supplements that you can suggest that like for someone who does, and I eat a lot of eggs. I eat a lot of, I eat a lot of butter, um, like grass-fed butter, because um, yeah, I've heard that helps with like cholesterol and stuff. And like, I don't know, I I don't really even know what cholesterol is. So, <laughs> but I eat a lot of oils. Like I get my proteins through like beans and stuff like that. But is there? I realize that without meat there's probably areas that I'm still lacking, even though I'm doing a pretty good job. Um, so is there any supplements out there that 
you know of that you would suggest or that you do suggest clients that are clean and like plant focused and just like, I don't know, provide an intentional supplementation? Yeah. And before we even get into supplementation, I think one of the biggest things is with um, like a vegetarian and a vegan diet. And I'm not saying that you do this at all. Just I think it's really important to bring the awareness of one of the best things to get to get the most out of a vegetarian diet is to not eat the fake meats. The fake meats are full of shitty oils. They're full of really chemically laden um, wheat and soy and corn and all the really inflammatory foods. They're basically just full of garbage. So yeah, which I always thought was so fascinating. People eating these fake meats. I'm like, why don't you just eat meat? Like if you love meat and you like how it tastes and you like, like they're pretty yeah. spot on the fake meats. Like if you really crave that substance, like why not eat? I'm always a proponent and like, it's not, it's the, um, it's the energy behind the product. Like if it's good quality, then it's good quality, mm. whether that's meat or eggs or this or that. It's like, just choose something that's good quality that fits into your kind of systematic beliefs yeah. in life or, or just how you feel when you eat it, you know? Well, and that's the whole concept of kind of, you know, that I like to, when I, when I take a step back of all this sort of, it can get very detailed and, and intricate, but the real goal for whatever diet you choose for whatever reason, like that's totally fine, right? That's up to the individual. But at the end of the day, we want to be, would be choosing pure ingredients. Pure, as, whenever we can get, we want to get as pure as we can. And that sounds almost like a bit like culty kind of when I say it out loud, but that's, we want to be cleaning out all the garbage, right? It's like, yeah. and what we can do that by just, like you said, the quality, like getting, you know, pasture raised eggs and quality grass fed dairy, because those animals are consuming natural, you know, like the, the eggs, the chickens are scratching and eating worms and bugs and natural elements. They're not eating genetically modified soy and corn and whatever else with glyphosate and all these chemicals right so to get the most out of a vegetarian diet right we want to eat real food we want if and i love that you eat eggs and dairy because that does bring in some of those um the like even i won't get too into that because so basically it just brings in some of the proteins and the amino acids that it's hard to get from uh, vegetarian diet, even like choline, great with the egg yolk. Like it's really important. Um, and vitamin K2 is really good in grass fed butter, which can also be hard to get in vegetarian and vegan diets. Ooh, One nice. of the biggest things too, is just to remove industrial seed oils because often as a vegetarian diet, we, we can start to tr uh, lean on more packaged and processed foods, which are full of industrial seed oils, and they're very inflammatory. And often with these diets, we're not eating a lot of omega-3 fatty acids. And these industrial seed oils are very omixed, uh, uh, very heavy in omega-6 fatty acids, which are a bit more inflammatory. So it's not omega-6, omega-3 bad. It's more just like there's a balance of fatty acids that we want in the diet, and it can trend towards more inflammatory in a, in a vegetarian diet, especially because it's a lot of nuts and a lot of grains, um, where in a omnivore diet, you'd be getting more fish and grass-fed meat that has that omega-3 um, anti-inflammatory component. So just being cautious of those inflammatory seed oils, because they can really be inflammatory. Um, and when you say, when you say seed oils, 
Like, are you talking mm -hmm. just like like any oils that we buy from like olive oil and all that stuff that we buy from the store? No, no, no. So seed oils are canola oil, um, safflower oil, sunflower oil, uh, peanut oil, corn oil, vegetable oil, all like the industrial seed oils. Ah, so, okay, so avocado oil, good. Yeah, so good fatty acids would be uh, avocado, olive, grass-fed ghee, grass-fed butter if you can do dairy, um, coconut oil. Um, and fats are super important, especially for not getting enough, like not getting as much protein as a vegetarian or a vegan because we want to balance our blood sugar because that keeps us, um, if we have un unbalanced blood sugar, our stress is going to be all over the place. And so one of the foundational pillars of health is balancing our blood sugar and how we sort of start to even think about that concept is to include more protein and fat in the diet. So definitely we don't want to remove all the fats. It's just removing the industrial seed oils. Got ya. That makes sense. It makes me happy to hear that because I'm not someone who buys a lot of those to begin with, which I didn't know that was even a thing, but go me. I'm happy I'm doing that one correctly. <laughs> well, yeah, and they're, they're hidden in a lot of processed food. And that's why it's like, it's easier to just remove processed food because then you're removing a lot of the other junk. Um, there are some better processed foods out there, right? Like you can find them. You just have to do some label reading. Yeah. It's such an interesting world. And what do you, what are like the dangers? Like we, there's so much like talk about GMOs and all of this stuff and like what, like it's the way that I kind of perceive it all. And, and you can totally probably comment on this better than I can, but so I'm not really sure if it's GMOs are really bad or not. It's just that if all we're eating is GMOs, where are we getting the actual nutritional value? Right. Is, would you say yeah, well, that's correct or are GMOs actually bad? Like they're just like legitimately harming our bodies um, or is it more of just that they're, they're not what we're looking for and you're just not getting it through the other means when you're all you're eating is GMOs? Yeah, I mean, genetically modified organisms are foreign to the body. So it can, it can mess up our detoxification system. It affects the gut and affects the immune system. So it's not something we want to be eating on a regular basis day-to-day -day basis okay good to know good to know and the thing too with with a lot of genetically modified foods we're spraying them we've we've basically trained these plants to be able to withhold a lot of chemical spraying like glyphosate and glyphosate again messes up our detoxification is hard for the gut lining and is a trigger for the immune system so Avoiding GMOs is honestly something I always suggest when we're trying to improve our health. And in terms of a timeline for, for maybe anyone out there who's thinking like, I'm going to start improving my gut health. What does, is this a, a, like a lifelong journey or is this something that within maybe six, eight weeks, like we can see a real difference in whether it's our stool or our skin or our energy levels. Where are some of these areas in life that will see some of the differences and be like, wait, I, I must be doing this right. Or, or maybe something's not adding up here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, with, for example, for my clinical practice, one of my practice, I don't work with anyone for less than 12 weeks because it takes about 12 weeks to at least start um, seeing the difference and making change, like making a 
new habits consistent, right? Like it takes time to make change. So 12 weeks mm-hmm. is a nice uh, time span for someone who's who doesn't feel completely derailed, right? It depends how severe the, the symptoms are and how long the imbalance has been going on. You know, so it can be anywhere from 12 weeks to a year. And then of course it is a lifelong practice because it's a lifestyle change. It's not just eat fermented foods, drink bone broth, and you'll be all good. It's more like we need to look at, you know, the whole picture of the lifestyle. And so it's not just a quick fix, right? It's, it's a lifestyle, a whole lifestyle change. Yeah. And I think that's honestly the biggest, as far as my journey goes, has been the biggest contributing factor to the health over my journey, whether it's been like quitting alcohol, like especially as a DJ in like a very party driven music scene and stuff. It's like, it's not that I just quit alcohol. Like it was that I, I was at a point where I was, I was ready to change my whole life in terms of how I spent my time, who I hung out with, like what I was putting in my body. And then I think everything started aligning in other ways once I just started saying yes to the higher intentional, higher vibrational stuff. All the other shit kind of started just falling off that wasn't serving a purpose in my life. And I think that just openness to a lifestyle change is the key to any difference that we make in our lives because we could spend all day like souping up an old Honda Civic but it'll never drive like a Ferrari, you know? Exactly. And that's, and I love that because it does take willingness to change. And, and I also love that you brought up the alcohol piece because that is so normalized for people to be drinking every day. And it is so toxic for the body. Like it is, you know, it is so hard. And if we're talking about the gut, it is so hard on the gut lining. Like it's just not a health option and when people say like oh i drink you know because they say red wine's good it's like yeah okay just eat raspberries like i'm sorry but alcohol's not good for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah that's uh that was definitely a journey for me that was i think it was physical it was mental it was an emotional um thing it was for me it was unhealthy and pretty much every every avenue of life for me um Well, and that's just it for some people. Yeah. And for some people, a casual drinking is not a big deal, but it's when we've normalized it to the point of drinking every day. It's like, and we're seeing that paired with health issues. We got to do some sort of deeper digging to what, why we're bringing in this, this substance to maybe, you know, mask something else, or it's just interesting to look at why we do the things that we do. Yeah. I think it's the most interesting, especially once we've become adjusted to a pattern over time. And then it's like, wait, I actually have no idea why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. Or, and I love the kind of the concept of purity, like, or who am I without this? Right. And that can be really scary Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And on my own healing journey, this was, for me, this was weed. Like I didn't know, you know, I, I used it chronically for a very long time and I don't anymore. And it's been a journey of, you know, identifying who I am without that because it is part of the ski culture it is part of Colorado culture and to recognize like oh it's not serving me anymore and in fact it's probably impairing my health and so there's a lot more to than just pulling away something right we always have to look at 
all sides of it. And, um, we don't want to be restrictive. We just want to be really honest. Yeah. And I think that too, it's like, it can look so different for everyone because I look at some people who use substances that maybe don't align with me. And I actually like love them on those substances. I'm like, you are literally like happy, like you're spreading joy <laughs> and love and all of these things where it's like, I, I am a firm believer in that. Like, we'll know when something's not right for us because it's no longer going to be fun. And I mm, think that's yeah. where it's like, as someone who experimented in a lot of fun, again, fun was my definition of happiness for a long time. So it's like, I was trying to have so much fun. And the longer I d just kept diving into that, I think it was more realizing like, wait, some of these fun things are not sustainable in a health and balanced actual approach to life. And again, it's the piece of life that really sustains this, this whole thing. Um, and as someone who I, I don't do really any substance anymore, other than weed and coffee is like the two things that like really, really align with my daily practice and creative journey. Um, yet I think it's an interesting one because I feel the joy in it of like using a, like for me, weeds just, again, it's, it is something like you, it's been a chronic part of my journey for a long time. Um, and while I'm open to one day, maybe not using it in the way that I do, I'm still very happy and inspired with my use of it. And I think that's why I'm able to continue living a life that's not stress related to that substance. Um, whereas like alcohol, I knew it was like every part of me was not having fun with that substance. Like every part of me was like, dude, you need to stop this. Like it's not fun before it's not fun during it's not fun after. Why are you doing yeah. this? Like, <laughs> And that to me was so obvious. Yeah. And I love too, that it's, it is so true where, you know, I have a lot of people say like, Oh, is this good for me? Is this good for me? It's like, well, first of all, I don't know anything about you unless we take a deeper dive, but also it all comes back to what are your goals as a person? Because that's where it all starts, right? Like if someone's struggling with, you know, health and they want to improve, improve it, then we start looking at, you know, these bigger substances and start pulling them away. But it, it, all starts with what the person's goals are because if they don't want to focus on that and they want to focus on you know creativity and and being inspired and whatever it is for that person like that might look different than someone who's wanting to dive in and heal their gut or work on their adrenal health and energy so i love just how you said you know for me right now that's not where i want to go and for maybe in the future it is and so it's always coming back to what the individual you know, the deeper that feeling again of like, what, what is your path right now? And what are your goals? Right. And it's like a taking almost like a, an inventory of life. It's like, cool. I've seen this on the shelf in my life for a long time. Like I've actually haven't used that in a while yet. It's still taking up space in my emotional category. So I'm going to, I'm going to clear that shelf pretty much and open up some new space. Um, but there's some things where you're like, no, that's still a vital part of my living room. And I fucking, I love that piece. Like, let's continue riding with this. Um, I like to look at it sort of too, like, um, I like to look at it, look at it. Like <clears throat> if you feel like you're coming up against a wall or you feel like you're getting stuck, 
it's like, that's when we can start pulling out the blocking factors. And for me, that's where it was. It was like, oh, the weed is just getting in the way. Like it is time to go. And so it's always just looking at like, if you're trying to get somewhere or go somewhere and there's, you feel stuck or blocked, that's when we want to take an assessment of, you know, what are the bigger factors? And for, in my practice, I often see the big ones are things like alcohol, weed, coffee, um, gluten, dairy, whatever it is for that person. But like, there are certain things that are pretty big blocking factors and they can be these substances that we've used for years and years. Yeah. And I love how you put that because I feel every single thing in life is a doorway and it's like, Mm. it's either an open doorway into a new realm that's beyond like, and you know, we can explore or it's a closed door. (laughs) And like, if we're feeling that we're banging up on a closed door for time and time again, maybe even years, then it's like, maybe let's try a different door instead of just continuing. Hopefully someone's going to unlock that door. (laughs) Yeah. And like to go back to the, the weed thing for me, a lot of times it was like creative expression, inspiration, you know, um, it did really sort of, I felt that, but then at a point it was like, Oh, I just can't think straight. I just feel bogged down. I feel like it's affecting my gut. It was like, okay, it might be time to like be honest with yourself and say, this thing's got to go. Yeah. So just as like to relate it back to a personal experience, it can be easier to see what we're talking about. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's so funny that even me, like I, I love the plant of cannabis and I I really do. I love it so much, but even me, like in this podcast journey so far, there was an episode a few episodes ago where I was interviewing my buddy, his name's Weir and he's just like a good homie. And it was just like, I was like, Oh, like I just didn't think much of it. I was like, I'm just going to chat like for an hour with my good homie and laugh and goof around. And I like smoked a spliff like right before starting the podcast. And normally I'll smoke like, throughout the morning getting ready but I like pretty much like intentionally got high before this podcast and in the podcast episode I'm like I literally like I forget what I'm talking about and I (laughs) felt this sense of anxiety during that podcast episode and I even told him I'm like bro like oh this weed has got me but like I was like shit like there's even me like I'm still learning my relationship with something I've been best friends with for 12 15 years now Um, I'm still learning like, oh, in this situation, I think I can handle this a bit better without that best friend by my side. And when we think about it in that sense, it's cool because we think about different, even like vacations we would go on in life. We have different friends that would fit better in different equations. Like I wouldn't invite the same friend maybe to dinner over that I would invite to like a client meeting in a DJ world setting. Like it's just we have so many different relationships, and I think the the use of them all can be really beneficial if we get clear on like, oh, why we're using it, how we're using it. Is it an open doorway? Is it a closed doorway? There is no right and wrong. It's just how we're personally relating to it all. Totally. I love it. And it's all such a journey. Like, we just learn as we go. And that's, I think, something I've been working on a lot lately is just not being so hard on myself because that was that that's a huge blocking factor just being like constantly your own critic um and being like okay this is an experience i'm learning from it you know rather than a failure it's actually just a learning experience yeah and the other day actually i had a friend who 
was asked, they were going on a ski trip and it was him and his girlfriend. And he was asking me, he was like, do you think, um, do you think Maria should snowboard this, this trip? It'll be her first time. And I was like, Oh, well, first of all, a couple parts to this, a couple parts to this. Yeah. One, if she does want to, then yes, but you're not allowed to be her instructor. You need to get her a lesson because <laughs> that will be the death of your relationship. Um, <laughs> two is I, so I got on the phone with Maria and I was like, look, this is how I would approach it. I would ski the first few days, get comfortable with the setting so that you're at least in a familiar place where you can enjoy and be in touch with who you are. And then if you want to try snowboarding, try snowboarding, but try it as something new. Don't try it to be good at it. Like just approach mm -hmm. it as I'm literally trying this as something new and I'm going to suck probably. But that whole mindset of like, I think we get caught up in trying things and being good at things. like. Why would we be trying things to be bad at them? Like, no one wants to do that. But it's like, no, actually, if we can approach these things in life where it's like, ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to maybe heal my gut, but not with a, I need to, and it has to look like this, and it has to be right. But it's like, as someone who's never healed their gut before, I'm going to try this. And I'm probably going to mm. learn a lot along the way. And I don't even know what winning looks like at this point. So I'm literally just trying it to try it. I'm not, you know, looking for any type of specific result. Um, and I think that can just be applied in that. any area, you know, that we're trying new things to, to become better and more expansive humans. Well, I love that. And it's like, I mean, that's such a medicine for me. I go and I'm like, you know, trying to learn how to be the best surfer I could possibly be. But it's like, man, it's so humbling. And it's like, it can be so degrading. But I love it because the days I don't have expectation, you know, they, they'll be the best days because it's like, oh, I'm just learning something or I picked up some awareness about how to do something on a turn or whatever. And it's like anytime you have expectation, there's room for disappointment. But if you don't have expectation, it's kind of like, what is there to lose? And that's way easier said than done. But <clears throat> yeah, um, that's really good medicine, especially like in the world of healing the gut, it's like, yes, it is an interesting road. And, you know, we learn so much along the way and exactly, we don't even know what the sort of, we don't even really know what it's going to look like because it could be, you know, a whole lifestyle change, or maybe it's a, the job that you're doing is getting in the way or one of your favorite foods, or maybe it's some previous trauma. Like you just don't really know until you start um, you start becoming aware, you never know what's going to, you never know what's going to come up until you start looking it in the eye. Yeah. And, and until you start actually playing the game, I feel like it's like every time you move one single chess piece, the whole gameplay changes. It's mm. like, it's not like you just focus on that one chess piece and figure out how to get it along far, far enough. Like, no, that's not how the game of chess works. You look at all the pieces and based on where they're all at, you're constantly just scanning and taking inventory of the board and looking at life for what it is and then deciding based on the gameplay, what can I do, you know, to, to move forward in this scenario in the best way possible. <laughs> totally. I know. So life is so fascinating. <laughs> it really is. It's so fascinating. I'm so happy to have friends like you to be on this journey of life with and just to talk about it all and 
I don't know, share experience with each other. Cause for years you've been someone I've looked up to and in the health world and just like all of the intentionality behind what you do with food and, and your art form and everything. And that's just like, it's so cool to connect with you on that level in in this podcast setting. So I could even come back and listen to this episode and yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful. Well, yeah. And it's so fun to, it's so fun to know that, you know, we're not alone. And I think we can feel so alone, whether it's in a healing journey or if you're trying to make some change in your life, it can feel really uncomfortable, but to know that you're not alone in the process and that we're all going through it together, it can be really comforting. And I think that just starts by even you, you know, being willing to have these conversations because it can feel lonely out there. And it's a crazy, you know, society of sort of, we're disconnecting from community very quickly. And so I think it's great when people facilitate us coming back together. Yeah, especially centered around health, you know, like just good vibes in a very generic sense. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that's what I love about, you know, at least what this work has done, you know, nutritional therapy has done for me is like, it's, it's helped me gain a sense of empowerment back and sort of really helped me with my confidence. I've always been pretty like insecure, to be honest. And Mm -hmm. Being able to manage my own health with the tools that I've gained, it's like confidence and empowerment comes from that. And it's like, I would love to be able to share that with anyone, right, who is feeling stuck in that way because we have so much potential if we are a little more grounded and a little more confident and empowered to to know that we can take care of ourselves. Like we are our own source of medicine. Like we have the power to heal and it's just sometimes we need a little guidance. And for me, that was my own healing journey and education and now working with clients. But man, it's so powerful when you can gain a little bit of that confidence and empowerment back. Yeah, and it's almost like everyone is always so aware that there's side effects that go with bad things, but there's also side effects that go with good things. And for me, particularly, like working out, for example, getting into a regulated exercise routine, which has been something on my mind for years. And outside of snowboarding, it was never very regulated. And I think for me, it wasn't even like while I went to the gym and started going to the gym, what I realized is, yes, the muscle growth was building and the stamina and all that. But the side effect, which actually became the real reason, was for my mental health. It was for clarity. It was for also self-respect because I've been on a journey of Mm. self-love over the past couple of years of like learning to get to know myself and loving myself. But I am still someone who I've struggled from insecurity throughout my life. And I have different parts of me where whether it's just committing to routines or committing to certain things, like a lack of self-respect for being accountable. And what's actually been coming up for me is that like, holy shit, since I've committed to doing some of these healthier things in life, those health aspects are actually the side effects. Like the main thing now is that I feel better. My mental health is clearer. My motivation is clearer. Like my inspiration is clearer. Like all of these things, my gratitude is way more in the forefront of everything I do. Like the humility aspect of life is there. Like 
all of these side effects of just doing something that we commit to in a healthy way, whether that's working out or healing our gut or eating the right foods or going surfing or like, I think it's so cool just to know that it is working in so many ways beyond just the little, little tangible piece we see in front of us. Totally. And I like to think of it, actually, this just kind of popped into my head of, of, what we can gain by focusing our health is like, rather than dragging our feet, we're like skipping along. And for me, that is like what life is all about. Like I want to be my most, you know, enthusiastic, excited self rather than like, Oh God, like life sucks. Like, no, right. I don't want that. I want to be like, <laughs> let's go. Let's like go do the thing and have fun. And, and sometimes that means, Hey guys, I got to go home. I'm tired. So it's like, yeah. So empowering to be able to make your own decisions to then be able to have a pep in your step rather than dragging your feet in the mud. Yeah. And I think just becoming aware too that the more that we do something, like it will change within us. Like how meditation, when you do it for long enough, like I'm telling you, it is not something you need to do anymore in a sense of like, I need to meditate today. It's like, holy shit, I need to meditate today. And I'm so excited to meditate today because this is literally what I look forward to every day. It's mm -hmm. like, it's such a, it yeah. does shift and not everything that we're starting at the beginning of a journey, it, it, the challenge part will change. That relationship to how challenging something is, it actually will become more challenging not to do it. Totally. And yeah, it goes back to that thing about expectation. Like if you expect to have this, you know, spiritual awakening for meditation, meditating for, you know, five minutes every day. It's like, no, the shifts are subtle and they're powerful, but they're subtle, whether it's, you know, drinking more water or taking time to meditate on the regular or whatever it is, they're subtle, but they're so powerful. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely, I'm feeling just from this conversation, I like feel rejuvenated and alive and health focused and I'm ready to live <laughs> my best life. <laughs> yes, I love that. And the thing is like imagine too if we all had that enthusiasm. It's like, oh my god, the, the potential of what we can create together is and individually is so much more um radical and expansive and exciting if we all have that inspiration motivation. So that's what's oh, up. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And it's just like it adds excitement and fun to the whole thing. It's like I could have read a book on what we just talked about. But like, I'd rather laugh with you and smile with you and actually feel it all in a real way. That's like vulnerable in a sense, you know? <laughs> totally. And I love um, like people think like being healthy, like someone said like, Oh, you don't drink. That's so boring. And I'm like, it's actually awesome. Like I have so much it's energy the, the next day. <laughs> and that's just one, ex that's one example. But some people think that, and a lot, like even sometimes I'm like, Oh, being healthy is so hard. But then I'm like, so is being tired. And so is having like whatever <laughs> issue that arises. So it's like, it's all about perspective. Right. And just being like, what are, what are my goals? And if they are to have a little more energy and a more pep in your step than working on your guts, a good place to start. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think it's something that we could all um, work on in just little ways. And that's, what's cool about, you know, the journey of health and the gut, especially now knowing that 70% of our immune system lies within our gut. Um, 
it's really cool to just have more of this focus on like the bigger picture of it all. Um, and just being open to changing our relationship with how we're sitting and eating our food, how we're dealing with life, not just to not be stressed, but to actually help our digestive system. And like in ways that are so connected that we don't normally just perceive on the regular. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this whole system is literally how, you know, this machine keeps running. I mean, there is so many factors to it, but it's a huge one, right? It's how we take in our nutrients and how we take in our fuel. So if you can do those little things like work on the nervous system and chew your food, you're off to a really good start. Should we be chewing our smoothies as well? Yeah. One really good thing to do actually is add some like um, granola or add some berries or nuts or seeds on top of your smoothie or cacao nibs or coconut flakes so that when you sip it, you actually have to slow down a bit and chew your food. And even too, when we think like, let's say you're drinking a smoothie, you know, it's really easy to drink them standing up, but even just taking the time to be like, oh my God, this smoothie is so good. Like in my, in your head, you know, like, wow, this is so delicious. This is so good. This is so nutritious. That actually communicates to your body to be like, okay, let's pump out some juices to digest this. Like, let's go. Where if you're like, you know, in your head, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, later I got to go pick up this. I got to go to the store. I got to go, you know, to the dentist. I got to da, da, da. It's like your body's still focusing on dentist and to-do list rather than the smoothie that has delicious blueberries and peanut butter and whatever is in it. So it's literally like working on that mental piece of like, yeah, we're doing this. We're eating the smoothie. It's so good. It tastes delicious. Oh my God. I'm so glad I added that mint in there, whatever it is. It's like that stuff really actually helps that connection from brain to gut. I'm going to be hearing you every time I drink my smoothies. I'm going to be like Jackie's in my ear, just like, let's go, baby. This is what I'm talking about. We about again after life. You got this. Yes, that your your gut will love you. Be pumping out that stomach acid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jackie the gut fairy. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can um where can people are you taking clients right now? Are are you accepting new clients? Um, if people are interested in learning more, working one on one with you, should we just point them to your website? Um um, or Instagram. I mean, I'm at, I'm at, uh, Nettles Nutrition on Instagram and I am going to be taking on kind of like a whole handful of new clients starting mid April because, um, I'm kind of coming at a close to a couple different things and I'm ha- going to have the capacity to take on some more people. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but the process starts with, just having a quick free 30 minute call with me and you can just um, find that link on Instagram or on my website. Perfect. Well, we'll put your, um, both your Instagram links and your website links in the show notes. So anyone can contact you there. Um, I'm so grateful for, for my 30 minute consultation today that lasted an hour 45. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so, it's so nice to reconnect with you. And I always, always cherish our conversations and love that you like to kind of go deeper than just that superficial, Hey, how's it going combo? So thank you so much for having me. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to stay in touch. I feel like it's amazing. These friendships that kind of ebb and flow and, and just so, I was so excited when I saw your, 
message drop into my inbox. I was just like, yes, Kevin, love that guy. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Cause you were one of the first people I thought of when I was starting the show and like going over my almost like inventory of human amazingness that I've met along the journey. I just like, as someone who's so, I think of health in terms of like every aspect in this life and you as living, like just, I think, cause we got to live together and spend so much time together. Like you've always been someone that pops into my head as far as just like leading the charge in a new way of looking at health and being connected to the earth through it all. Um, so yeah, mm. thank you just for yeah. your friendship, your guidance, your openness, um, and for sharing all of the, the beautiful wisdom with us. <laughs> yeah. All good. Happy to do it anytime. So just, I love the connection and I love where you're headed. Thanks. Well, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on for an episode two in the future. So, so we can continue diving in. I feel like we could talk for probably like 10 hours. Um, so we'll have to have a few more episodes from here for sure. <laughs> cool. Kev. Well, yeah, stay in touch. I think our, our paths will, our paths will cross soon. Um, before we know it, the universe will bring us back together some cool collaborative way. Yeah. And I've actually, I reached out to Lucas and I've been doing his, his program and I love it. So I love Monday Mondays. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. That program has been a big life changer for me. And the fact that you were one of the first people to hit me up and comment, like, I love this. It was a beautiful affirmation from the universe to be like, cool. Like you're on to something. So yeah. And I love just, it's the same perspective as sort of, it's just a similar perspective he's got to what I have in healing. And it's, it's about money. You know, it's like, you wouldn't think there'd be a correlation, but there totally is like even just putting on a different pair of glasses from like, Oh my God, I'll never heal. Oh my God. I'm screwed for life. Oh my God. I've had this my whole life instead of like, Oh no, I'm, I am capable of healing today. Like, and it's all that stuff that actually really lights me up so i like i love i love his program oh that's so cool and he's gonna be so grateful to hear this um and yeah i'm so excited <laughs> to now just now that i know that too i'm excited in our own time to just connect in, in that level and discuss some of that aspect yeah. of how we're relating to life and our journeys yeah so my yeah i i Envision your ripple effect being far reaching. So I'm excited for all the avenues and all the people that find this podcast and find you and the inspiration can continue on. Uh, thank you for saying that. And same to you. Um, it's always an honor just sitting in your presence and looking at your face. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kev, keep it real out there. All right. I love you, Jackie. Tell Mitch I said, hey, and we will chat again soon. Okay. Love you too. Talk to you soon. Bye.